Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Pats Cast. As always, I'm your host, Stephen Newman, and today I will be mainly discussing the Patriots' 27-20 to loss to the Houston Texans on Sunday. Uh, go through just how the game played out, really, in, in terms of uh, really why the Patriots lost the game, despite uh, playing... In some areas, relatively well, but in the critical areas, not not well enough to come out with a win, which they were expected to have done, frankly, entering the game. Uh, I'll go through, as always, snap counts, just who was on the field, how, how players, individual players and position groups fared, and some stats to go with that as well. Uh, try and keep it a little more brief this week, though, because uh, honestly, it's it's somewhat one of those games where, while it wasn't a blowout, uh, in some respects, you really just throw out the tape and move on to the next one because it, it just did not go as it was supposed to. And then at the end of the episode, I'll also jump into a quick preview of the Patriots' next game, which will be tougher. And given that the Patriots are now four and six, uh, it's going to be hard to come out of that game. I I believe with a win, but they kind of need it uh, in terms of making the playoffs. But so the first thing we'll do again is kind of talk through some of the um, the overall uh, well takeaways from the, from the game really. But um, really, one thing that w- was interesting uh, throughout this game uh, is that really if if you look at just uh, game control and just uh, stats that um, each team up against each other put up in the game uh, the Patriots played the Texans pretty even and in some areas actually they they uh, outperformed the Texans uh, they had they had more first downs than the Texans twenty two to twenty one. Uh, they did have more total yards as well, although some of that was on a fifty yard completion uh, at the end of the game on a hail mary attempt that came up short of the end zone. Even so, even if you take that out, it was almost even. Um, they. They they had the ball for four and a half more minutes than the Texans, and usually winning time of possession is a decent way to ensure you win a game. And they didn't turn the ball over either. Now neither did the Texans, but normally the Patriots not turning the ball over is a good formula. Uh, that's when they've lost games. It's been because they've turned the ball over two, three, four times. That wound up. Not being the case this time, part of the trouble in this game, although they the Patriots did get out to a lead early, actually led for the first 26, I guess, minutes of the game. Uh, they did give up uh, two touchdowns to the Texans before halftime, fell behind 21 to 10, and that was kind of just a hole that they couldn't get out of. They, it kind of for the most part went back and forth with scores from that point on. Uh, 
The Patriots did show some fight late in the game. Uh, they they kept it a one-score game um, for most of the second half. They, they got the first score of the second half and never let the Texans extend their lead. Uh, but in the end, falling down by two scores was something that the Patriots just couldn't overcome. And getting into more specifics, um, really the biggest thing was that they couldn't get a ton of pressure on Deshaun Watson. And even when they did, like they, they couldn't get home. They they did not sack him once in the game, which is problematic not only because the Texans give up a lot of sacks in general. They're also without their left tackle and left guard, the left tackle being Laramie Tunsil, who, uh, as I have mentioned, is one of the best left tackles in the NFL. The fact that the Texans give up sacks and struggle to run the ball a little bit as well had nothing to do with Tunsil. Uh, but so you would think that him not playing would have had a major impact on the Texans' ability to move the ball with any consistency just because there'd be a lot of pressure on Deshaun Watson. And it did not happen on Sunday. Uh, and it's it's really hard to explain to be honest, because the Patriots, it's not like they were shorthanded. They had all of their uh, top bodies on the field. Lawrence Guy wound up not playing a defensive tackle, but that's not really where they're generating pressure from anyway. It's the edge rushers. And even on top of that, their top, they were playing the right guys up front as well. Uh, Like, Chase Winovich, again, played 53 of 61 snaps that the defense had. He was on the field all the time. Uh, Obviously, you had John Simon on the field a lot, Dietrich Wise on the field a lot. Those are the guys that they're normally able to generate pressure with. And it just didn't happen. I actually misspoke. It wasn't Lawrence Guy that didn't play. It was Adam Butler that didn't play. Uh, Same principle, though. Uh, One of the top two or three guys at defensive tackle. Same principle, though, that that's not really where they generate pressure. It helps them more so in run defense than pass defense, which ironically, uh, although maybe not ironically, but uh, the the Patriots did do well against the run. Uh, The Texans don't run the ball well, and I touched on that uh, previously, but... The Patriots did hold them to 55 yards on nine attempts. That's fewer than three yards per attempt. Uh, Now, Deshaun Watson did have one rushing touchdown, uh, and he was able to move around a little bit outside the pocket. But again, that's kind of just not being able to get home uh, in the pass rush that allowed that, as opposed to the interior of the defense just not doing their job and getting beat at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Actually, that one touchdown, too, is uh, a little disputed, I guess you could say. Uh, There should should have been, uh, and I don't mean to get controversial about officiating and things like that. That's really not my style. But uh, there should have been a holding penalty on that play. It... But, I mean, it is what it is. It was also just bad tackling on that play 
by multiple guys. Uh, I believe Juwan Bentley and Devin McCourty, I believe. If my memory serves me correct. Uh, nonetheless, the Patriots did do well against the run, did not do well against the pass. They struggled at getting to Deshaun Watson. They also struggled in coverage. Um, no one guy necessarily uh, had a, a monster game. They did have three receivers, though, with at least uh, four catches and 80 receiving yards. Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, those two, you somewhat, I wouldn't say expect, but it's not shocking that those guys had big games. But also tight end Jordan Aikens. And I believe that's his career high, the five catches for 83 yards that he had. Uh, so that's certainly not ideal. <laughs> um, and the Patriots just struggled uh, big time against tight ends in this game. I mean, even on top of that, they gave uh, gave up four catches for 51 yards to the Texans' second and third tight ends. So, yeah, they, they got beat by tight ends badly. Uh, a lot of that actually was Kyle Duggar, uh, who I had actually praised quite a bit uh, for how he played last week against the Ravens. Now, now a lot of that is in the the running game and closer to the line of scrimmage as opposed to in pass coverage, but he did seem pretty solid in pass coverage as well. That didn't happen on Sunday. Uh, he he was targeted, really, pretty frequently in the passing game. He was on the field a lot again, which I did say that I wanted to see. It happened. He just didn't have nearly as strong a performance. Uh, at one point, in fact, they even briefly, I believe, but they did bench him for Jawan Williams, who hadn't been getting much time on defense at all lately. Even the last at least month, he's been pretty much out of the defensive rotation entirely. Uh, seldom used. But yeah, Duggar didn't have a great game. None of the defensive backs had great games. Uh, Stephon Gilmore did come back. Uh, you almost wouldn't know it. Uh, J.C. Jackson didn't play well. Uh, Jason McCourty, John Jones, the list goes on. You can name pretty much any defensive back. I mentioned Devin McCourty already. Um, yeah, it just it wasn't a good performance from those guys. It wasn't a great performance from much of anyone on defense. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the Patriots didn't get completely gashed on defense because they, they, they did hold the Texans to just under 400 yards. Not that that's a great bar for success, but it wasn't, it wasn't statistically a horrible game. Uh, it just... It, it seemed like they, they were getting kind of bullied even with that said, they didn't force a turnover either. Um, it just, it just, it wasn't a good formula. Like they had, they had the ingredients, but for whatever reason, when you put them all together in this game, it just, it didn't work. 
It's a little confusing. <laughs> I mean, you think you hold a team to under three yards per carry and you have as strong a secondary as the Patriots have, you're usually, and even the offense was decent. Um, and I'll get to that shortly because there were some areas that I didn't like, but it was decent. That's normally a decent formula for a win, especially against a a two and seven team. It, it just didn't work. Um, yeah, they they didn't record a sack in this game. They really didn't get a ton of significant pressure on Deshaun Watson. Uh, yeah. The leading tackler in the game was Adrian Phillips, only seven. I mean, no one really stood out in any area. Uh, Therese Hall, I take it back. Therese Hall did look good. He wasn't on the field enough. Uh, He was only on the field for 17 snaps, again, out of 61 for the defense, so uh, just over one-fourth of snaps. It's not enough. Uh, And I believe I saw... After the game on on Monday, actually, that he was the Patriots' top rated uh, defensive player, at least I don't think for the team, but at least on defense, um, in the game by Pro Football Focus, uh, and again, he was actually promoted to the fifty three man roster ahead of the game. He had been on the practice squad. He'd been. One of those guys that the Patriots were taking advantage of that loophole where you can promote uh, two guys off the practice squad for a game, send them back down the practice squad, do it again another time, and you'd send them back down. And then, uh, yeah, it's just, it was just a loophole with the, with the rules. Um, they, they did promote him to a full-time 53-man roster position. And that's something I, again, I'm going to revisit that because there's some interesting stuff related to that as well as doing that with another guy. And there's been some fallout from that um, since the game, really on Monday. But i get back to that later. Um, we'll go to the offense now. Again, it wasn't a terrible day. Um it's actually a great day, and I'll, I'll get. I'll just go to him first. It was a great day for Demir Bird. Um, he had six catches for 132 yards, which is a career high, and a touchdown. Uh, and he was actually only targeted seven times. Uh, he was really efficient. Um, yeah, he was really good. I don't know what necessarily to to take from that uh, going forward, only because. I don't think a whole lot of the Texans cornerbacks not named Bradley Roby, and Bradley Roby was not on Bird. He was generally on Myers, who I'll touch on in a second. But nonetheless, it was the Demir Bird that you were looking for uh, when you signed him. Obviously, all season, really, he's he's been running dead sprints downfield for most of the season and he hasn't um, been given an opportunity to really do anything uh, with those routes. Uh, Some of that just being because he, even when he gets open, Cam Newton just can't find him. He, he did on Sunday. Uh, It would be great if that would continue going forward, 
for the Patriots, but I mean, time will tell on that. Um, it's it took till the tenth game of the season to hit on it as it is. So maybe it's something going forward. I don't necessarily know. It is good though that they at least had a second wideout really perform. Uh, sticking with receivers, Nikhil Harry uh, had his first real, made his first real impact, statistically anyway, on Sunday, uh, since he'd been on IR. Again, I, I thought he was decent last week as well against the Ravens. It just wasn't as a receiver. It was more of, of a um, a blocker and a decoy slash do the little things kind of guy. Uh, he did have five catches for 41 yards in Sunday's game. Again, you kind of notice that he's averaging fewer than 10 yards per catch, which you don't necessarily want from your wide receivers. And that's fairly consistent every week that he's down there. It's a little perplexing. I mean, although if you, if, if you watch him enough, you, you kind of understand why it is that he doesn't average very many yards per catch. I won't get into it. Nonetheless, he did make an impact in the passing game. Uh, more so, in fact, than at least statistically speaking, more so than Jacoby Myers, who only had three catches for 38 yards. He was only targeted, in fact, by Newton three times. You really need to try and throw him the ball more, but I do also understand why they didn't necessarily on Sunday, just because um, Bradley Roby's a really solid corner. That's who was guarding Myers in the slot for the bulk of Sunday's game. And the rest of the Texans' cornerbacks are no good. So I understand why they throw at those guys. And the receivers did a decent job, and in Bird's case, a really good job at capitalizing on that opportunity. Uh, You'd still like to see them get Myers a bit more involved just with how well he's been playing lately. It's one of those things where the matchups kind of suggest that it's not your best option, but at some point you just have to go to number one. It's... It's one of those things, if if you really have enough faith in your guy, you just go to him no matter the matchup. That's something that will have to develop at some point going forward. Frankly, you almost thought it did last week against the Ravens, since he was the only wide receiver that was targeted in that game. Maybe not necessarily, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Myers starts doing more in the next few games again. That's, and in fact, I'd actually expect it. Um, Dante Moncrief, who, if you didn't know, was signed to the practice squad about a week ago. They made him a game day active off the practice squad on Sunday. He did come up with a 15-yard catch in the game. He wasn't on the field a lot which shouldn't be shocking. In fact, he was only on the field for four snaps, and in those four snaps, he was targeted twice and had the one catch. Um, 
I don't know what to make of that going forward. I don't know if that means they like him better than Isaiah Ford, who was inactive on Sunday after being active, but never getting onto the field last week against the Ravens, which is disappointing to me because one, I like the guy and two, I think he actually has value on this team, but that is what it is right now. I'd expect that in at some point that's going to change, but who knows sometimes with Bill Belichick. He, he doesn't necessarily do what you think he's going to do. Um, Ryan Izzo had two catches for 59 yards. I did mention, though, that one of those was on the, um, the Patriots' last play on offense as a 50-yard Hail Mary attempt. Uh, Izzo came up with the catch, but he, he was 10 yards short of the end zone, so it really didn't accomplish anything, and the Texans probably let him have it to some degree. So hard to make a whole lot out of that. Uh, James White did have six catches for 64 yards. He, he did make an impact in the passing game. For that, that's the biggest impact he's had the passing game all season, and again, it's somewhat expected because the Texans, other than Roby, aren't good in in pass protection. So, but White took advantage of it though. Give him credit. Rex Burkhead had two catches for five yards, and Damian Harris had a catch for eleven yards. It might be his first catch of the season. I'm not positive on that. I, I haven't looked back at the stat sheets, but off the top of my head, it's either his first or one of his first. Uh, Cam Newton, skipped him since talking about the passing game, was 26 of 40 for 365 yards, over nine yards per attempt, did have a passing touchdown, uh, no turnovers, was sacked a couple times. Overall, it was a solid game for Cam, won a great one. It's pretty average. Uh, and again, the the 365 yards is inflated by the 50-yard uh, meaningless completion he had, really. And again, there was also he also just threw more passes than he normally does. So he wasn't... He, he was actually more efficient in the passing game than he often is. Uh, the completion percentage is down a little bit, but the, the yards per pass attempt are up, so... Take that for what it's worth. All in all, he looked he looked fine. He looked decent. He looked really looked good. Wouldn't call him great, but he looked good. Uh, and that's that's generally how he's been for most of this season. Even if it doesn't, I've said it does not look aesthetically pleasing. Just this throwing motion and his overall kind of comfort, I guess. At the end of the day, he gets the job done, so you can't complain. And he actually did manage a few times to throw down the field on Sunday, which is he struggled with at times this season. So that's a positive development for sure. He did not do much in the running game, though. Only three carries for six yards uh, and no touchdowns. So he didn't have the value there that he often does. Uh, compare that actually to Deshaun Watson, which I didn't even touch on, who had six carries for 36 yards and that touchdown, which I did mention, actually. But, I mean, all in all, Cam Newton did have a good game. I don't want to 
discount that. He he did definitely have a good game against a weak secondary, but nonetheless, he took advantage of it. It's about, through the air, it's about the best game he's had all season. Uh, it's right up there with the Seattle game uh, where he unfortunately came up about half a yard short of a touchdown that could have won the game. But nonetheless, no, really good game for Cam. Um, the running game, uh, partly Cam, but the running game as a whole, uh, I thought the Patriots got away from it way too soon. Uh, they did run the ball 24 times, which in some respects sounds decent. But for the Patriots, like it's it's not enough. They had close to twice as many pass attempts as runs. Part of that being because they were behind in the second half, and that's kind of just what you have to do when you're behind. At least traditionally, that's what teams do when they're behind, is they throw the ball. Uh, the Patriots need to be a running team. There's really no other way. Uh, there's no way around it. That's That's where they have their strength. Uh, Damian Harris only ran the ball 11 times for 43 yards, did have a touchdown. In fact, that was the first touchdown of the game. It wasn't his most efficient game on the ground. I'll, I'll grant you that, but you, you got to go to him with how well he's been playing with how well the offensive line's been playing with how well all the running backs have been playing. You got to go to it more. Uh, Rex Burkhead only had four carries for seven yards. Uh, James White, 5 for 19. Uh, you did get one reverse to Demir Bird that went 11 yards. You don't need to get cute in the running game, though. Uh, the Patriots have good enough running backs in the offensive line as well that you can run a traditional ground-and-pound offense and have success. And they just they didn't do it. Um I I I get it a little bit because I suppose the Texans' uh, passing defense is worse than their run defense, but their run defense isn't great either. Uh, and yeah, it, it's been working for the Patriots for the last, I'll say, month, and I think that's fair to say. Uh, pretty much since Damian Harris was activated off IR. And they just didn't go to it. It's perplexing to me, especially because, again, the Patriots did score first, so they weren't early in the game playing from behind. They still weren't running the ball much then. It's odd. But I'll give McDaniels enough credit uh, just simply for drawing up good passing plays, but... Needed to go to the run more still. Uh, so I guess I pretty much touched on every position group already. Um, nothing, nothing really notable on special teams. Um, I, I I often skip special teams. I'll give it a second here. Nothing great. Gunnar Olszewski needs to get better at, when he's going to return a kick. Get more out of it. He had a 12-yard kick return and two punt returns for three yards. I mean, <laughs> what can you really do with that? Like, it, I don't know. I'm I'm starting to get a little bit uh, tired of him in the return game, to be frank. Um, the, the Texans didn't do much in the return game either, but at least it was kind of what you're supposed to do. 
Jake Bailey, I have not given Jake Bailey his credit this season. He's been really good. I think he's second in the NFL in um, total yards per punt and net yards per punt, which would be how many yards you're gaining on punts. Like you'll subtract if it, if there's a touchback, for example, you subtract the like the 20 yards that the ball comes out to the end zone. Uh, he's number two in, in both categories, I believe. He's been really good, and he was, again, on Sunday, averaged over 50 yards per punt, which is quite high. Um, Nick Folk converted on all his kicks. I mean, special teams is fine, other than, again, Olszewski, which, in some respect, there's some hidden yards there in the return game, and the Patriots are not getting them. But... It's not the dominant thing in this game. The dominant thing was that the Texans, uh, really the Texans won the battle of the trenches. Uh, They had two more sacks than the Patriots did. Deshaun Watson uh, was, uh, he couldn't be contained in the passing game. And also when he did run that he had success. Uh, the Patriots didn't run the ball, so they, they didn't get that advantage that they typically do. And J.J. Watt, I didn't mention, I, I think had three or four, I think four batted passes. Uh, now, part of that is that I don't think Cam Newton necessarily gets enough elevation on his throws, which is odd because he is a big quarterback. He kind of doesn't. Uh, but also just that... J.J. Watt's still really good. I didn't quite give him his credit in my uh, lead-up talk into the game. Uh, No, he's not quite as good as he was in his prime, but he's still really good. And it showed up on Sunday. Uh, I didn't expect it because the Patriots' offensive line has been so good. But J.J. Watt's pretty much still J.J. Watt. And yeah, the Patriots won't really see that going forward. There aren't many guys like that. And in fact, the one guy in their upcoming game that is close to that, uh, and he's a former Patriot, uh, is out for the season. So they're catching a break there, but still, J.J. Watt beat them. Uh, I do want to talk about what's happened roster-wise since this game, although somewhat it started before the game. They activated Sony Michelle off IR, and again, they promoted Therese Hall from the practice squad to the 53-man roster. So they needed to uh, take uh, two guys off the active roster. Uh, they chose to waive guard Yelta Froholt and edge rusher Derek Rivers. I mean, they've been decent. Let's be honest here. Their backups, they're a little buried on the depth chart, but the fact that they're buried on the depth chart doesn't mean they're bad. It's just that the Patriots are deep on the offensive line and on the defensive line. Uh, they're just a lot of quality guys 
So it was a little odd that the Patriots got rid of them. I'd have to imagine that in doing that, what they wanted to happen was for those guys to clear waivers, go unclaimed by the other 31 teams in the league, and then be able to bring them back onto the practice squad, keep them in the organization, and be able to go back to them when they need them, because right now they just don't need them, which makes sense. It's risky, but it makes sense. And as it turns out, they were both claimed on waivers. Froholt by the Texans, ironically, who do need offensive line help, so smart move. And Rivers by the Rams. Technically, I don't think that transaction was made in time to be processed on Monday. I think it's got to wait until sometime today. But they got him. It's just a technicality. So those guys are both out of the organization. Uh, Tack on to that, uh, not to... um, not to be, not rude, rude's not the word, but not to uh, diminish the the point of most importance here. Uh, Rex Burkhead suffered, it's not official yet, but it's believed to be a uh, torn ACL late in Sunday's game, which is really unfortunate because, again, he's been playing really well. It didn't necessarily show on Sunday didn't have yet about the actually the worst game he's had probably all season but he's been playing really well this year in fact it's actually a major reason why Sony Michelle wasn't active on Sunday just that Rex Burkhead's been really good in the running game and in the passing game but yeah it's believed that he suffered a torn ACL and if he indeed did that's gonna end his season and it might even bleed into next season if Granted, if they uh, bring him back for next season. But yeah, it's it's going to have him down for the rest of the season and beyond. Uh, that's, that's obviously a bad break for Burkhead. It's a bad break for the Patriots as well in that sense. But it also uh, makes you scratch your head as to why the Patriots activated Sonny Michelle off IR if they weren't going to have him as a game day active. Because there's really no reason to do it. They could have waited until this week to activate Michelle and then uh, let him play in some capacity next week, uh, this coming week on Sunday. Uh, They didn't. I don't know why. And in the process of, of activating him off IR, again, they had to get rid of someone. And the both guys, in fact, that they got rid of are now no longer in the organization when instead they could have waited, had uh, no immediate repercussions from not activating him. And then when Burkhead goes on IR, you just have Sony Michelle take his place. No roster transaction otherwise needed. So a bit of a misstep there. Obviously, you can't you never expect that someone's going to tear their ACL in a game, no less at the same position as the player that you just kind of needlessly promoted. But it did happen, and it's a reminder that sometimes uh, even Bill Belichick doesn't necessarily uh, consider every angle of a move he makes.
and can get burned for it. Uh, but now back to things more football than uh, the business side of things. Uh, I've really uh, talked about the game about as much as I want to, so I'll skip to the upcoming game, which I have not mentioned it yet, but it's against the Arizona Cardinals, who are very much an up-and-coming team. They have a lot of young star talent on that team, led by second-year quarterback and really... MVP candidate at this point, Kyler Murray. Uh, He's had a sensational season. He's also for the third, third week, yeah, third week in a row, a dual threat quarterback that the Patriots will have to go up against. Uh, One of the best in the league. Yeah, he's just he's just tough. He was the rookie of the year last year as well and had previously been the number one overall pick in the draft and before entering the draft, won the Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma. And even on top of that, if you didn't know, just speaking even more to his athleticism, he was the number nine overall pick in the Major League that major league baseball draft as well. The guy is a freak, um, a small freak, but a freak. Uh, no one's really figured him out at this point in his career. That's it's going to be a challenge. If the Patriots couldn't generate really any pressure on Deshaun Watson, not that Deshaun Watson's any slouch at moving around in his own right, but Kyler Murray's a completely different animal. Um, it's it's somewhere between Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Uh, it's really the best of both in terms of the agility and running ability that Lamar has and the... Uh, Ability to move around the pocket, extend plays, and sling the ball down the field that Deshaun Watson has. Kyler has both of those. He also has one of Deshaun Watson's old star wide receivers in DeAndre Hopkins, who I believe I said it in my last episode. I think there's a strong argument that he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. And when you're pairing that with maybe the best quarterback in the NFL, it's a problem for defenses, to say the least. I I don't know I don't know how you stop it. Like even uh last week, um over a week ago now, uh calendar wise, uh Kyler Murray hit up DeAndre Hopkins on a Hail Mary attempt and you had to see it honestly it was it was sensational it was i mean kyler had to run for his life just to get that pass off chucks it up uh, about 55 60 yards in the air it comes down there are three guys it's against the bills actually there are three guys there to break up the pass deandre hopkins just out jumped them and out muscled them with his hands comes up with it 
it was it was a sight to see, but it just speaks to how dangerous that duo is in the passing game. I I'll be completely honest. I don't know how you stop it. You could put Stephon Gilmore on him. You could put J.C. Jackson on him. You could double him. I I don't know how you stop it. Um, the Patriots, I I believe, have had moderate success against him in the past when he was with the Texans. But I also think Kyler Murray's better than Deshaun Watson. That's not a, a dig at Deshaun Watson, but Kyler Murray is something special. It's it makes me feel good because it's a guy that I really liked in the pre-draft process last year. I thought he was uh, head and shoulders uh, the top quarterback in that draft class. Absolutely deserved to go number one. Uh, there are people who didn't think that, partly because he's small, partly because there's just skepticism of him as a player. I was right. It seems like I'm right a lot on that stuff, by the way. Uh, anyway... Um, yeah, Kyler's really good. DeAndre Hopkins is really good. They seem to have maybe unlocked a little something in uh, their, I don't know if as you call him their second or third wide receiver, but Christian Kirk, who is a guy, by the way, that a few years ago I thought the Patriots needed to draft in the, uh, I guess, early second round. They didn't. The Cardinals did. It, it's, it took him a second, but he's... He's been hot this last month or so. Uh, yeah, no, he he's been really productive. He's a, he's a speed guy. He's really what he is is he's he's a. Uh, I don't want to say slot receiver because I think he works on the outside as well, but he's a really good uh, catch and run guy. He's also a uh, kick punt return specialist as well. Just uh, a really good player, and he's finally put the pieces together that's a challenging guy for the Patriots to go up against as well and Larry Fitzgerald is still around not that he gets a ton of separation or anything anymore but he still has really good hands and he's just generally dependable Uh, also he's just a great guy but uh, that's not there's nothing football to that but yeah, all around, just a, a really good player, really good person. Um, they do have a really solid defense as well. I actually mentioned ahead of the trade deadline that their rookie linebacker, Isaiah Simmons, who at the time wasn't getting on the field a whole lot and seemed like a little bit of a misfit in their defense, was someone that I thought the Patriots could have targeted in a trade. They obviously they didn't, but in addition to that, he's started playing a lot more and he's started looking really good. Uh, he was a top ten draft pick uh, this past cycle, twenty twenty, and I mean he's he's looked like one recently. In their last game, he looked. I mean, he looked like. Uh, a potential defensive player of the year candidate in the near future. Like there's, there's a lot of upside to him and it showed, uh, if you, if you don't know a ton about him, I mean, he was for one, he was at Clemson in, uh, college the three, three years prior to this season. He was the, really the leader of that defense. Uh, he's just really versatile too. Uh, back in college, he was a guy that played, 
I mean, boundary cornerback, slot cornerback, safety, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, defensive end. I mean, he was everywhere. The guy, he, he, he can do anything, really. He's also, uh, he's kind of like when I mentioned Patrick Queen at that 230-ish pound linebacker, the new age middle linebacker type. That's what Isaiah Simmons is as well. Um, and he also ran a, it was below a 4-4 40-yard dash at the combine, which for a linebacker is flying. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what you necessarily do to stop him either. Uh, I mentioned the, the star pass rusher, uh, that, is on IR. That's Chandler Jones. If you weren't aware, he's they they won't have to they won't have to go up against him, which I suppose is somewhat of an advantage for the Patriots. But uh, still, there's a lot of talent on that defense. I didn't even touch on their top cornerback Patrick Peterson, who's been a superstar in this league for years. He's starting to decline a little bit, but he's still really good. So. Not really a favorable matchup there. Uh, they've also got one of the best safeties in the league, Buda Baker, who, again, a guy I've really liked for a few years now, even before he was drafted. A lot of people didn't. <laughs> he he got a huge contract this offseason as well that a lot of people laughed at. And I was kind of like, it might be a slight overpay, maybe? It's at least kind of early to pay him that much because he hasn't hadn't necessarily performed up to that level yet but he's been really good this year so a smart move by the cardinals and yeah it's it's made that defense something at times it's looked special it hasn't of late it's it's come back to earth a little bit Although last week, I'd say it may have rebounded back to where it would previously been with Isaiah Simmons taking on that bigger role. Uh, Yeah, it's a pretty tough defense. And I mean, when you add that to the prolific offense they have as well, it's tough. They haven't gotten a ton going in the running game. And when I say the running game, I mean the non-Kyler Murray running game because Kyler has had uh, I mean he's he's been great in that area he's been great passing the ball as well but um yeah uh, he's just he's really good I, I guess just to to give you something uh, statistical on Kyler through 10 games he's over 2,600 passing yards. He could very well be at 3,000 uh, by the end of uh, the next week's game against the Patriots, uh, which would put him on pace for about 4,000 by the end of the season. He's got uh, 19 touchdowns against eight interceptions. The eight interceptions is a little high, but you can forgive it when you hear the rest of the stats. Uh, he also already has, through 10 games, 619 rushing yards, and 10 touchdowns. Uh, so he's probably going to break 1,000 rushing yards. He might get 15 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, you add in, he's on pace for um, 
probably 30 passing touchdowns as well. You can forgive the interceptions a little bit. Uh, the guy has been off the charts good. Uh, but yeah, like I said, they haven't gotten a ton from running backs in the running game. Uh, Kenyon Drake is probably going to sneak his way to a 1,000 rushing yards based mainly just on volume, getting a lot of carries. He hasn't been great. Uh, Chase Edmonds, their backup, has actually looked pretty decent of late in the running game, but also as a receiver. Uh, there's there, there's a little more that he offers, I, I suppose. He, he He's somewhat of a James White type in that sense. Uh... Mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. He's already got 72 catches for 912 yards. Uh, you project where that, that'll put him. It'll be well over 100 catches for... Uh, he could get to 1,500 receiving yards, potentially. Uh, they're just... That offense is really good. That's that's the skinny of it. Um, I don't... I'll have to put some more thought into exactly what the Patriots do to stop it, but... It's going to be a challenge. Um, and again, the defense is uh, plenty solid itself. Um, yeah, it'll be a tough game. Uh, I, I hesitate to say that because every time I make some sort of relative prediction on how a game's going to go, I end up being wrong, it seems like. I thought the Patriots would have their way against the Texans. I thought they'd struggle against the Ravens. Um, I thought they could blow out the Jets. I've been wrong the past few weeks. So I'm not going to necessarily count the Patriots out in this game, but they're going to have to play a really good game if they want to stay in this one against the Cardinals. I will say that. They'll have to be at their best. Uh, But overall... Uh, rough game for the Patriots this week, and it's certainly not going to get easier against the Cardinals. Uh, there are some things they're definitely going to have to correct. I, th- I think if Sony Michelle is able to play, I do think that helps the offense. I'd also expect that now that Rex Burkhead is uh, likely sidelined, maybe for the rest of the year, you'll probably see James White I don't know if on the field more is the way to put it, but I do think you'll see him have more of an impact on the game because he will become the, no doubt about it, top receiving back now. Uh, You could put Rex Burkhead on the field a bit in those situations earlier in the season because in addition to being a better runner, he also is about as good a receiver as White. Uh, With him out of the mix, you're going to need James White in the passing game. Um... Again, I do think that Jacoby Myers is going to bounce back in a sense uh, going forward, especially especially this week, unless the Cardinals use Buda Baker as a slot cornerback, which is actually what he came into the league as, I believe. Uh, He's since transitioned to safety. But if they're concerned about Myers, they could put Baker there. That might help them. I'm not really sure. I haven't seen him play that role recently. But 
it's something they could just as easily put Isaiah Simmons on him probably because, again, he did it a lot in college. And, again, they haven't done that a lot this year. But there's he's got the ability, I, th- I believe, at the NFL level to do it. I don't know yet. I'm going to have to look into that. Uh, but, yeah, I'd expect Jacoby Myers to be better, to not be better, but to uh, be utilized more, really. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much that for this week's game and an initial preview into uh, this upcoming Sunday. Obviously, I'll be back later in the week, most likely Saturday morning, although given that it's Thanksgiving week, I do have a four-day weekend. I don't have to work Thursday or Friday. So there's a chance that you'll see something come out on, say, Friday at some point because I'll have the time to do it. But we'll conservatively say by Saturday morning, possibly on Friday. I'll be back. Uh, And, of course, I will also have a written article as a, a recap of the loss to the Texans that I will embed this podcast episode into and link to in the podcast uh, notes and details uh, that you could and should check out as an accompaniment to this podcast episode. If you like my podcast content, whether it's this episode, past episodes, or just in general, maybe you like to listen to me talk. (laughs) That's, That's your call. But Nonetheless, you can feel free to, and I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, the list goes on. It's out pretty much anywhere. Uh, You can also go ahead and rate, review the podcast. Five-star ratings, we love those. Uh, If you want to follow me directly, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Newman Patscast. That's N E W M A N P A T S C A S T. And as a reminder, my blog site is a place you should go for one. But if you're looking for what it is, it's smnewman48.wixsite.com/sportswithsteven. Uh, that will really wrap up this episode. Uh, I appreciate you all listening, and I hope to have you all back in the future. Thanks so much.